and welcome to Grace Unscripted, where we share stories of the people in and around Grace Church without any script, just real, raw stories of life change through Jesus. I am your host, Audrey Wallace, and today we're doing something a little different. We're actually going to talk to the previous host of Grace Unscripted, Ben Falkenberg. This podcast was born out of a passion of his own heart. And when I tell people that I was invited to be the new host, I always jokingly say, well, the last host was called to be a missionary in Mexico, so you never know what's going to happen. So in this podcast, Joe, Pastor Joe, is going to speak with Ben about the first year that his family spent in Costa Rica preparing for their jump to go over to Mexico. And you're going to hear some stories of um, really some hard things that they went through while knowing that God was in control and God called them to this. But questions like, why am I mad all the time? Why I've never been more unimpressed with myself. Just some spoiler alerts there. But these are deep and um, really, really heartfelt things that Ben had traveled through and wanted to share with us. And um, I just hope that you enjoy this conversation that Joe and Ben have together. Hey, Ben, how you doing, man? I'm good, Joe. It's awesome. good to see you again. It's good to see you, too. It's Twice to... in one week. I know, man. It's uh, You've been gone for like 11 months. Yeah. Well, we were gone. It was just short of one year. Okay, so, yeah. Um, we did like... All right. Math was like 355 days outside of the U.S. consecutively. Wow. So that's yeah. crazy. That is super crazy. Not at all what you had ever experienced before. It was a different, vi- it was a different, different year. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was quite a year, honestly. I, I, that's exactly what we want to dive into, because I think so many of our listeners would have um, maybe an idea of what it would look like to live overseas or to take a leap and say, I'm leaving my quote-unquote American life to now pursue the Lord in this. But they don't know, most of us don't know what that feels like. And so yeah. I'm hoping we can almost like dive into that, yeah, because be there's some extremes to it. There's probably even some norms to it that people don't expect. Yeah, for sure. And I uh, would love to hear some of your story. So... Yeah, you've uh, been back here now for a couple of weeks. You're about ready to head. So uh, let's kind of go linearly. Like, how okay. how would you start to encapsulate what the last 355 days in Costa Rica look like? Yeah, so we so we arrived in Costa Rica December 28th of 2022. Um, no, that have been 2021, excuse me. And so we did a year, and then we came home here kind of the middle of December. Um, and so... So right now we're in the season. We have five weeks here total. I've got, uh, I think I have 11 days left in the States before I start the trek to Mexico. Um, so we're in a cool spot where we're like finally almost there. But but yeah, the, uh, the journey to to Costa Rica was interesting for sure. Um, I, I, think, I think for us, we, we did a lot of reading. We tried to be prepared. Um, we did marriage counseling. We did everything to try to arrive as healthy as we could, I feel like, as a family. I mean, we did uh, marriage counseling, Tanya and I, but also as um, as parents, we did a lot of third culture reading, third, yeah. uh, third culture kids. It's like a, it's a newer, th- it's a newer thing that we've, um, people have been starting to kind of specialize in this idea of what does it look like for kids who are from a country but are raised in a different country, and they kind of, they call them third culture because they're like, for instance, my girls probably won't really feel American, but they're not going to feel like Mexican either. There's yep. like this weird third culture. And so we had tried to embrace as much of that as we can, mm-hmm. as we could, excuse me, um, before we got there. And so um, so I w- I'm really glad that we did that because I feel like when we arrived um, a year ago in Costa Rica, we arrived healthy mm-hmm. and and ready for the unknown. Um, and then it was really, really hard. <laughs> like <laughs> It was still really, really hard. So I... I can't imagine having arrived, like not in a healthy place. I mm-hmm. felt like our marriage was healthy, felt healthy spiritually, felt healthy with our kids. We, I mean, we are thank 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 the Lord, thank the church. Like we felt healthy funding, um, healthy relationally. Like we were ready to go, and then um, and then just got punched in the face pretty good. Yeah, by the transition into another culture, and uh, and it was tough. Yeah, to it- be honest. It's almost a lot like a uh, a sports game plan. Like you got to prep, you got to get yourself in shape, you got to get those things, but nothing oh, can yeah. fully prepare you for what game day feels like. Yeah. Were you the one that gave me the Mike Tyson quote? I don't think so. Someone was like Tyson would always say like, "Yeah, everybody's got a game plan until I punch him in the mouth." Yeah. Right? And it's true. <laughs> like you get in the ring with Iron Mike and you're like, "I'm going to do this." And then that first yep. that first right-hander hits you in the face and you're like, "It's out the window. Now you're just trying to survive." So yeah, it it definitely felt like that for parts of the year. Yep. I'm sure. I'm sure. What were, um, you know, we'll get into 
the drama of it, I guess, if you yeah. will. Like, what were some of the harder parts of of being away for that long and being in a different culture? There's a there was a lot. Um, I th- I think a I think a lot of it is you literally everything changed. Mm. So when we arrived there, we basically had left behind like everything mm-hmm. and um, like our jobs, our house, our family. But other things like our church, our life group, our ministries, like all of those things. So like you get there and all of that's kind of gone. Um, and so you step in and so there's like the loneliness aspect of like, wow, we don't have anybody here. There was, um, we're from Wadsworth, Ohio, and then we were living in San Jose, Costa Rica, which is almost 2 million people. So you're living in a downtown, really busy, loud city for the first time. Um, and then you don't have the language. Like, we were in San Jose to learn how to speak Spanish. So when we arrived, we didn't know how to speak Spanish. Right, right. Nor could we understand it. And so when you kind of lose everything that you're accustomed to that would maybe be what helps you feel comfortable, that's gone. It's like, okay, that's difficult. But then on the other end, you like, what did we do? Like, mm-hmm. we couldn't talk to anybody, really, outside of the school. Like, our, our, our other American friends that were there with us, there was, you know, five or six other families and like our director and some of our teachers, half of my teachers didn't speak any English. The other half could speak some, and a couple of them were like super fluent. But it was just like all of a sudden you're in this environment and little things like, hey, we need food. It's like, okay, let's go to the grocery store. Well, we didn't have a car that year. So it was, okay, you either had to walk everywhere or you'd have to get like an Uber. But at first, like Tanya didn't feel comfortable getting in an Uber to go to a place because she couldn't even interact at all. And mm-hmm. she didn't understand what anyone was saying to her. Um, and so like, I understand that, right? Like that's my wife. And so little things like the first few times we needed food, all five of us went to the grocery store. And so now you're like exchanging Uber rides to get to the grocery store. I mean, you're walking through stores of, through the hallways or whatever, the aisles of the stores with uh, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old and three-year-old every time. And so just like stuff like that, it was just, it was like, wow, this is really hard. Um, or we had trouble, like little things like Uber had trouble with our credit card. So we would like, there was times we'd like go somewhere and we couldn't get home because we didn't have a car and Uber was like, no, nah, we're not, it, it won't accept our credit card on the way home. And we're like, what in the world? So like we, we had these struggles. We'd, we'd be like so, um, so overwhelmed. We'd be like, all right, maybe since that didn't work, we could just like order food and we couldn't do it. Like, we couldn't talk enough to, like, call and order a pizza. So it was just like, wow. Like, there was there was a lot of um, of just natural transition, natural difficulties in the transition that I think are to be expected. But it was, it was really hard at first to kind of work through the initial culture shock. And I think we had at least – I mean, we weren't, like, super well-traveled. But I think we were at least prepared to know, like, there's going to be a culture shock here. Mm-hmm. Um but just the day in and day out culture shock or the day in and day out exhaustion of trying to take on a new culture was super hard. Like there were times we'd go to the mall because the mall always felt a little American. So it almost felt like a little refuge. So we like try to get, we like get an Uber and get to the mall and do like two hours and come home and it'd be like noon and just like everybody took a nap. Like it was crazy like how tiring it was to go outside. It felt like once we left our house and even some in our house like you were just bombarded with chaos. Like it just felt like chaos. Like language felt like chaos. Everything was so different. Um, it was really tiring. And I think when you're tired, you start to believe feelings differently. Sure. You start to get short. You start to get cranky. And so I think for all of that, we were just like, it was a pretty overwhelming transition um, just day to day. And then on top of that, you throw in the fact that like we're trying to learn the language. So the girls are in school, in a bilingual school trying to learn math and these things. But like at first those were all in Spanish. So it's like, okay, you're trying to learn some Spanish to help your daughter do math. And then we're doing Spanish too. So like for us, you know, six, seven hours a day, learning the language, coming home and having two, three hours of homework. It was tough. I mean, there's really yeah. no no other way to say it. I, mem- I remember, um, I remember this would have been like January. So we were probably there like a month. And I took the... The three, the three girls to the park, Tanya was at home, and Lena, like, fell off something. And I thought she actually, like, really got hurt. And she fell, and I never carried my cell phone there because, um, like, petty crime's pretty high. Hmm. So, like, I'm white. People know that. So they 
make assumptions, whatever. Um, and so I just never was on my cell phone in public because I just didn't want people to see stuff or whatever. So like she fell and I thought she was really hurt. And I'm like, okay, I don't have a phone. Um, even even if I had one, I wouldn't know how to make a call here. And I don't really know how to talk to anybody in, enough here to explain what's happening. So like all this stuff's happening. Um, and my wife's at home, so I can't really contact her. And thankfully she was fine after like a couple minutes. Um, but I thought she like broke her back. Ooh. She was like flipping and she fell. And, and so it's like me and the three girls and we're sitting in this like public park in the middle of San Jose. And I just started sobbing. I mean, just mm. sobbing. Yeah. And I think it was like the overwhelming sense of like absolute helplessness. Mm. And I was like, there's nothing that I can do. Like if something was like, I didn't even know what I would have done. And I was, I remember telling her, I'm so sorry I ruined your life. I'm so sorry I brought you here. I hate it. I just want to go home. And and they were having a hard time too. But by the end of it, my three daughters are like rubbing my back. Like, dad, it's going to be all right, man. We're going to, we're going to make it. We'll be fine. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? But it was just like, I don't do, I've never done that here. I've never yeah. sat in a public park and just openly wept in front of, I didn't even care, you know, confessing to my kids. Like, yeah. I hate this. Um, and so it's just like, it's hard to describe what puts you in that type of a place, but it was kind of just like a daily pounding of, um, of cultural change and cultural shock, I think. Yeah. I mean, so much of, you know, you think of the things that we're all prone to run to when we just need some downtime. I mean... There aren't a ton of people that would run here to an American mall to rest. Yeah. You know, yeah, right? I mean, maybe to have a little bit of fun or maybe do a little bit of, you know, uh, retail therapy or something yeah. like that, but not not to rest. Yeah. And and so when you're like, wow, if that's where you're going to like the slow food down. court. The yeah, food court. The, right. Yeah. Like you can't go to your, you know, maybe food is your thing. You're like, I'm just going to go get my favorite bite to eat. You can't do that. Yeah. You don't even know how all the time to do that. You can't go home to your favorite chair. You can't. I mean, there's just so many things that we take yeah. for granted that all of a sudden you're like, "Yeah, I'm completely uprooted from yeah. all of this." Yeah. Now, you, you, this is a hard season, but you know, to kind of tip the hat a little bit, you and Tanya have both said this is also one of the like better years of your life. And yeah. so, like, how does that math work? How how was it so hard, and yet you look back on it fondly? Like, how does that come together? I think that's probably multifaceted. Um, I think I think for both of us it's it's interesting because I remember our first week at school and there was like a a student picnic and there was a family there from England that had just finished mm. and they were they had to hang around for like an extra 3 weeks and so they were at this picnic and he was just like this turned out to be like a really great year like we're going to miss this year and Tanya and I were like thinking like that's how is that possible because <laughs> we were in the midst of just like that that first initial transition um and I would say the really difficult transition was probably two months. Two months of every night the kid's crying, going to bed. Why are we here? Why did God have to call? I mean, like mm. literally every night Lena's saying, why did God call us to do this? Wow. Why are we here? I want to go home. Like that's exhausting. And and then, I mean, frankly, I'm thinking the same thing too, just not out loud, you know? Um, and I think there's, we always say it's poco a poco in Spanish. It's like little by little. That was like the word of the year, Right is like little by little you find your footing. Um, and I think that's a lot of ways you find your footing. And so um, I know for us, like one thing, our first date was like two months in and we just went somewhere for like a quick lunch in the afternoon while the kids were in school. And it was our first space to just be like, what was that? Like, are you okay? Like, are we okay? You know, and type of thing. And we're like, I love you. Like, I'm sorry. I, kn- I remember telling Tanya like a couple things like, I don't even like this version of myself, so I know you don't, and I'm sorry. Mm. Like, I'm trying here to to be who I need to be for you and for the girls, and I'm really having a hard time. And just being able to say that out loud and her being like, I know, and it's fine. Like, I'm here with you. Mm. Just like stuff like that of starting to find the rhythm of of finding new norms. And I think for me, the biggest thing I, for, for me that I had to take on that the, that the transition brought out was... I started to see things in myself that I had not seen here. Interesting. Bad things. <laughs> like things I'm not proud of that I didn't like. Yeah. Like looking in the mirror and being like, I didn't know that was there. Mm. I didn't, I'd never seen that before. Or things have been like, man, I thought that part of me was dead. Um, and so I remember telling Nate Rail in February, like him and Matt, I was just like, dude, I've never been 
more unimpressed with myself in my entire life. Wow. And I think I think part of it is you're there and every comfort that I was accustomed to was removed. And I think, listen, I think sometimes we can sit here and bash like the comfort of them. I, I love, I, Tanya loves Target pickup. I love that I can send a picture of a check and never have to go to the bank. Like Those are great things. But like when you remove the comfort of some of that, but then the comforts of like your job, your family, your friends, your church, your life group, all those, when all those were gone for me, I was able to see things without the comfort, and it was sin in my life. Like, I, like I, I was felt like I was mad for mm. like two months, like all the time. I was just angry, like every every morning or every time we'd like go out in public. I was just like felt myself frustrated and angry. Um, I felt like I didn't. I would say that I'm pretty like relaxed, carefree guy here, and then Absolutely, over there yeah. I was like I wasn't that, and I'm like, what is going on here? Mm. Or I don't think I'm like a dude of fear. Like I'm not afraid. And I was like fearful about things, like fearful of my family's safety, fearful of like so much of the cultural unknown. Like and so all of a sudden I'm there and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm doing the the bunny ears, like a missionary now, and I feel fearful. I feel like I'm angry. I feel like I'm not leading my family well. Mm-hmm. I'm like struggling here. And I think the important thing is I was able to vocalize that out loud to my wife. I was able to vocalize that to my friends. I was able to journal a lot through that and just say, you know what? I'm seeing things in here that I don't like. I I don't like this sin. I don't want to be grouchy. I don't want to be frustrated with my kids. Um, and I think those were probably, maybe they weren't here, here. They weren't, they didn't exist when I was in the States or maybe they were just blind spots. Hmm. But with the comforts removed, there was nowhere to hide. And yeah. so I always said, um, I felt like I was naked in front of the Lord, and He was like, "Okay, let's just let's just let you see who you are." Hmm. So we just know what we're starting with here. And so I looked and was like, "Okay, so this is who I am." Um, and I had to say things like, "God, I'm I'm a man of fear. I have fear of I'm fearful of of these men. Yeah. God, I'm struggling with being angry with my family." You know what I mean? I whatever you name it. And I was a, I had to walk through that with him, um, and kind of take that on and say like I don't want to be this. Like I need you to help me change here. But in the process of change is like I had to see that. And so I think the Lord was kind of like, all right, let's let's cards on the table. Let's see what we're working with here. All right, what do you want to look like here? And I'm like, well, I don't want to be afraid. Hmm. And he's like, okay, well you have to learn to trust me. Because in the States, you could have navigated life pretty easily without. I mean, I'm not going to do the whole, like, without. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I could get to work. I could pick up extra shifts. I could get around. I didn't, I wasn't always praying, like, I can't do this without you. Where it became much more of of a daily thing to be like, Lord, I can't really leave the house unless you kind of show up here. And so it was kind of an invitation, I think, in that to be like, okay, let's name it. Okay, Lord, I'm afraid. Why am I afraid? You're afraid because you don't trust me. Do you trust me? And like working through that for 10 months to just like reprogram my heart to be like, I trust you. Like I Mm. honestly do. And I think to be able to look in the mirror in that capacity and be like, I'm not perfect, but I genuinely trust you. Like I believe your presence is here. I believe you're here. You're here with us. I'm following you. I'm good. Like I'm, I'm not afraid. And I don't feel afraid anymore. Why was I angry all the time? Hmm. I think I was angry all the time. Um, I think a lot of the cultural stuff was hard for me. I've described it as like, let's say our culture moves at 70 miles an hour. The Latin American culture moves at 30. And so for me, um, trying to move at 30 miles an hour when you're programmed to go 70 is super difficult. Like, do you ever drive on a country road and the speed limit's 55 and the person in front of you is going like 51? It's so annoying, That's isn't it? just four miles per hour. Oh, my I'm, gosh. I'm so there with you. Yeah, you, like, hit the brake all the time. You're, like, looking for the hills. You're like, I got to pass this guy. Because he's just going slightly slower than you want. Mm-hmm. Now imagine he's going 25. Right. That's how I felt for a year. And it was exhausting. And it was causing me to basically have have crashes. Like, every day it was a crash with the culture where I'm like, I'm so programmed to go this speed. This culture is not allowing me to go this speed. And every day I'm still trying and I'm crashing. And that looked like things like simple stuff, like we didn't have a car. So it was a 15-minute walk to church each way. Well, Shay was three. So you're walking the pace of a three-year-old to church every day, sometimes in the pouring rain. Every day we had to walk to school because we didn't, you know what I mean? So every morning 
doesn't matter how late you are, how you're walking the pace of a three-year-old. And it's just like, for me, that was so difficult. Like, it was so difficult. Things like here, you know, I never even went in a bank here. You just, everything was online, automated. Even if you got a check, like an old school check, right? You take a picture, it goes right in. For me to pay rent, I walked 15 minutes to the bank. I stood in line for usually an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. And then I would have like a 15 to 20 minute walk home. So, I mean, something like paying rent was a two hour process sometimes. Mm. And so when that stuff just adds up, it was just causing me to like literally crash against the culture. And I remember one time we were walking to church and I was just super grouchy. And I was like short with Shay and she was like driving me nuts. And I remember like sitting in church and I felt like the Lord was like, hey, hey, it's not Shay's fault. Mm. <laughs> wow. And I was like, wait, what? You know what I mean? And it was like, this is you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my fault. <laughs> this <laughs> is my problem. And so I think for me, that was the start of realizing like the Lord has called us into a culture that's very different than ours. Mexico's, I think Mexico's probably slower than Costa Rica, frankly. Um, and so I have to learn how to adapt or I'm going to die. Like mm-hmm. I'm literally not going to make it. And so I think for that, that was just the start of a process of, of pretty prayerfully asking the Lord to help me. Mm-hmm. And I read a great book. I'll give a plug here. My brother-in-law Cody gave it to me. It was called... Um, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yeah, that's good. And it was really helpful for me in that season. It was like the right book when I needed it. Um, it was I read it like our first trimester, and it was basically, like my takeaway from it was like, I picture, I picture Jesus, I still picture this, as like Matthew 10, right? He's like, come to me all, you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. And then the message version, so, so sweet, it's like, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And so I, I think I read... Math, I think it's Matthew 10. Um, I think I read that every day for like a month and a half. Every day, that's all I read. Wow. Yeah. And I was just like this daily prayer of being like, okay, Jesus, like your pace here is clearly walking and I'm running and I, I need you to help me here. But, but in that was the, was the acceptance to say, okay, I have to like allow myself to be like yoked here. Because um, I like to just run and go and go. And it was just kind of like trying to like, prayerfully pray through like okay jesus like teach i i still pray it in spanish like teach me to do all do all to do la será like to your your speed teach me your will and your speed because for me it's so easy to just like want to go and want to run and and it, it just wasn't happening mm-hmm. and so I, I think for me like a huge part of that first four or five months was just confessing who what i'm seeing here this is that's called what is this is sin I don't want to be this way. I know you don't want me to be this way, Lord. My family doesn't want this. Help me figure out, like, how do I walk through this? And I, you know what I had to do? I had to, every morning before we walked to school, I would go upstairs by myself for five minutes, and I would thank the Lord for Shay mm. and the ability to hold her hand and walk to school. And I was able to walk out in a totally different space, totally different space, because I, but I had to ground myself. Like, that was hard. I did, I did that for months, and I was, and it was still sometimes it would flare up, um, and so, I mean, it, it's, it's been that type of a process, um, and I'm grateful for that. Like, the question of how do you get to the other side and look back and be like, it was a good year, we're grateful for it, is because I think when you see the Lord meet you in that, and then you see, your, you see change, and it's slow, and it's kind of painful, but on the other side of it, I'm like, okay, so after one year, I feel like we both have a really good foundation with the language, um, I feel like we could go down there and have friendship. Um, you know, I was able to preach in Spanish, still make some errors, but able to do it. Um, and the amount of time we had together as a family was special. Um, and, and, and just looking back on it, being like, you know what, like that transition was, was really hard, but like little by little, I felt like the Lord helped us become more Latino, honestly, mm-hmm. like learn to slow our, our motor down, learn to, to have better expectations of like what you're going to accomplish in a day. Learn to appreciate the family time together. Um, learn to be grateful for things. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we didn't have any major injuries. We walked with a three or four year old every day and a seven, eight year old every day, and no one got hurt. Like, God protected us. Like, Lena almost got hit by a car. She didn't. Like, all the falls, like, no one ever got hurt. Like, we were able to be in school. That was always our prayer. Like, keep us healthy. It, all those things, like, you see the Lord just meeting you in it. And by the end, we were able to be like, God, thank you for a good year. Thank you for your protection and your provision. Thank you for showing us things in ourselves that we hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
thank you for, for being here with us. And thank you for a year to learn the language and then also to go to war against this cultural stuff before we go to Mexico. Like, I'm so grateful that my first cultural war, want to call it, against the pace, it happened there when I was just a, a student that was in charge of nothing, just trying to survive, rather than someone that's cast in a role trying to lead people in, in Mexico. Yeah. I'm grateful. For that That's kindness, you know? I'm grateful for the people who spoke in our lives and were like, you need language school. I can't imagine having tried culturally to make the transition to Mexico or language-wise trying to have made that that transition to Mexico without the year that we just had. Right. It would have been a disaster. It would have been, yeah. And so like I'm like you're able to look through that and be like, hey, this was really hard. God, thank you so much for that. Because I see a setup better to succeed for the long run where we feel like you've called us to be in Mexico. Yeah. I man, I absolutely love that. You know, at the time of this recording, it's we just started 2023. It's basically happy new year to everybody. No matter when you're listening to this, that's what we're sitting in. And if I could, you know, pitch to you, hey, this year, by the end of the year, you're going to learn that skill that you've never had, but, you know, by the end of the year, you can pretty much have it down. You're going to be closer as a family. You're going to finally feel more gratitude and gratefulness than you've ever probably experienced in your life. You're going to have better healthy rhythms. You're going to feel closer to God. You're going to understand, like, you're like, wow, that'd be a pretty good year. I'd really like that. Okay, well, all you got to do is give everything up. Yeah. And be willing to be transparent about where you're actually at. That's all you got to do. And people, well, I don't know then that I want to go there. But yeah. it's a lot of times like we have at least a flicker in our minds of what we want to see happen in our life. God certainly sees very clearly what could be happening in our lives. And whenever that pathway starts to get laid out in front of us, a lot of times we balk at it. Yeah. I don't know that I want to go down the path of uprooting everything and moving to Costa Rica and going through all this hardship the, the cost, the pain of what we might have to walk through to get to that extreme health feels unwanted at times. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, so um, I love that you're able to have that perspective looking back, and you're like, this was really hard, um, but my goodness, did God show up in that. He did, He did. you know, and, um, and honestly, God showing up was, it's funny, it's like it was the theme of the year, and yet it was a struggle for me. Hmm. Um, I'm going to try to articulate this. Some of this is difficult. So the transition from our life here, so I walked, Joe, what are we, you said January 5th? Yeah, yep, 5th, yep. So three years ago, I walked into your office and said, hey, I think God's calling us to Mazatlan, Mexico. And you're like, okay. So that was three years ago. And that was the start of this journey. But in the midst of, most people think we were crazy, and even like I would say our family trying to make sure that this is real um, and my bosses and just the questions and all that, it was like w- to to make the decision, to actually walk from like, hey, Joe, I think this might be ha- happening to actually be like, we're doing this. This is actually happening. It was the hardest thing we've ever done and it wasn't, and yet it wasn't hard. Hmm. And it was like actually not hard in a lot of ways. And I think because the Lord interacted with us, I would say the Lord interacted with me and met me in a way in that two-year season like he never had before. Interesting. And so through through the Word, through prayer, through just genuinely really seeking him, he he was like there. I'd never experienced like the presence of the Lord like those two years. Wow. Um, and I, it was because I needed it. Like we would have never got out of Akron without it. Sure. And it, it was like he had to basically carry us out of that. So in the midst of all the questions and in the difficulties and the uncertainties and all that, it was really easy to be like, I've never been more certain of anything in my life. Like in regards to like answers to prayer and clarity of like, I am here with you. This is what I have for you. Like I am leading you. Like let's mm-hmm. go. And so it was actually really difficult to obviously say bye to family and all this, but to actually say, hey, we're going to do this was not very difficult because of the Lord. He gave us what we needed for us to go. He gave us enough of what we needed to go. So then we get there, and it was different. It felt different to me. And so um, I like I would say, even like when I think of the Psalms and I think of David, and sometimes you read that, and they're like, God, where did you go? Like, did, are you hiding from me? Where are you? I felt that sometimes. Interesting. Because yeah. I felt like I had. he gave me such... Intimacy is probably the right word with him. Yeah. Like I'd never had before. Like 
I could f- like feel his presence. I could like physically feel his his witness, his answers, his leading, and I needed that. And then we were over there, and it felt different. Um, I didn't feel that like as often. I didn't I didn't feel um, always the clarity. And so that was trippy for me too because you go there and you're like, okay, so we pulled the trigger. We're here. I'm I'm a I'm a missionary now. And you feel slightly more distant than, not slightly, you feel more distant than you did when we were back in the States. Now you compound that with the fact that, I mean, I, like I, I was probably, I fell in love with Jesus and then I fell in love with the word. And I mean, it was pretty normal thing for years for me to two, three hours a day, maybe in, in the Bible and in prayer. I mean, that was like for years, um, especially during this process. I mean, it was get the kids to bed. I never did Netflix. I just go to my Bible and be like, I get restless out with the Lord. I was I was just consuming the Word for like years. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh gave me his DTS stuff. I'm like trying to put myself through seminary. I mean, it's like that's just what I was getting after. And then to have that type of time with him on top of like him leading you through this, and then you get there and it felt different, and that time was gone. I mean, when you're in another country in language school trying to lead your family through that, like. The days of three hours, you know, to go read your Bible, like, that's not there. The days of being able to stay up late, you know, in your Bible, like, I, we went to bed at, like, 8.15, mm-hmm. like, p.m., because um, you're just exhausted every day. Yep. Um, and so it was hard for me, to be honest. Like, I think that's important to say, like, I questioned him some. I've even vocalized that here, like, to my sister and my brother-in-law. Like, sometimes it's like, it's been a little quiet over there, Lord. Like, I haven't. I've heard, I haven't heard you the same. And my brother-in-law, Cody, was like, have you found a lot of quiet space to to listen? And I was like, I haven't had a quiet, like I haven't had the ability to sit quietly like I had before. Um, and, and so I think in that, it's hard because it's like, all right, this is a different season. Like this is a different season relationally for my wife and I, for our family, like our time frame. This is a different season for me with my capacity to be in the Word. Um, and so what was three hours in America, now I'm in the United States and it was 30 minutes a day. Sometimes I didn't even get into the Bible. I would just listen to like the blessing for 30 minutes and just force myself to believe that that was true. Sometimes I just go walk around the city and just pray and just talk. And so it was different. And, and there was times that in the midst of the Lord interacting with us differently that I thought like, are you, are you still here? Like I, I, I don't I don't understand like why does it feel different why does it even maybe feel a little bit more distant from you, and then the funny thing is like he was so present it was just he he gave us his presence differently, um, and it was I think it was because I think the Lord gives gives us what we need when we need it yeah um, like the whole what what do we say like you, you see it online um. God will never give you more than you can handle. That's like the dumbest thing you could ever say in your life, right? I think specifically God gives you or creates weaknesses in your life to get you to the point that you realize, I actually can't do this. Right. And so I think the Lord interacts with you differently based on like what you need. I needed him in a way that he showed up before we got there or we wouldn't have got there. And then we got there, and I'm not doing ministry anymore. Honestly, we're just studying. We're just doing this. We're trying to survive as a family. And then, I, I, and then I, I've struggled with that. And then on, on the other side of it, as we get back and I'm able to kind of like decompress here and think about that, I'm like, I had to like pray. I'm like, God, I'm like, I feel a little bit embarrassed that I would have said something like, you seem a little quiet because I'm just like, you interacted with me differently. And in some ways, I, I missed the last couple of years with you. Um, I didn't have the space to be pouring in three hours to your, to your word every day. I was, now listen, I was still, that still happened. Like I was prioritizing like, I still made sure that I was in his word. I still made sure that, that there was quiet time with him. Um, you know, Those are things I think are non-negotiable regardless of your time. I just think it looks different. Like sometimes that quiet time was a 30-minute walk, you know, just with me and him, or it was just different. But, but then I think about the faithfulness of the Lord, and that would be the thing, like I would just always want to say from the mountaintops would be how faithful he has been to us. He was faithful in the call. He was faithful in the funding, and he was faithful over there. And it just looked different. Like his faithfulness was different. He, we never were sick. Like we were able to be in school. 
Mm. That's a big deal. Um, like we almost, like, I don't, I think I missed a couple of days of school and I could have gone. It was towards like the end when it was stuff I didn't need to be at. And I mean, for the most part, we were really healthy. I think about his protection over our family. I think about the way he opened our ears and our mouths to a language that like Tanya didn't know like a word of Spanish when he showed up. I knew some Duolingo, not much. And seven months in, like you're sitting in class and you're like, I understand everything they're saying. <laughs> you're like, how does that work? And But our prayer was always, God, we want to work really hard. I pray that you'll honor that, and I pray you'll go before us with this language because we really want to be able to be impactful for your gospel in Mexico. And so you look back and you see, like, well, we, we left, and, like, I understand what they're saying to me now, and I can preach. I can have a relationship. I can do these things. And you're like, that's the faithfulness of the Lord, um, his protection over our family. Like, that's the faithful presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's just funny— maybe the immaturity to, to be like, I didn't feel it sometimes. And then to look back and just be like, Oh, he's, he's with us. He's mm-hmm. with us. I mean, I think about my elbow. Um, remember I had that elbow infection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a cool story. So I have two artificial hips. I don't know if people know that I was born with hip dysplasia. I played college basketball and everything. And then my senior year, I started to have hip pain. We treated unsuccessfully, obviously, like a hip abductor strain my entire senior year because it wasn't. It was actually the joint was starting to wear out. Oh, wow. So at age 30, I had arthritis like a 65, 70-year-old man um, because of a birth defect that no one ever picked up on. And I was like super athletic, so you wouldn't have thought like sure. this dude's got bad hips. But like sure enough, at like 31, I'm like in there and they're like, you have severe arthritis in both hips. So anyway, so I have fake hips, which means that like infections are always a possibility. Like if I get a bad infection... Um, like I take antibiotics before I go to the dentist. That's like a thing for life because I can't afford an infection to get to these joints. So that's like a like a six week uh, pick line and antibiotic treatment, maybe even like a surgery. And so, so we were over there, and I got a really, really, really nasty. I don't even. We still don't know why. Um, elbow infection, and it was like a scrape or a bite or something, and it it was terrible. It was like hot and it ballooned, and and so obviously everyone's like, whoa, like even the doctor I went to there and he knew I had hips. He's like, we got to like get on this like now. Like he, he was ready. He wanted to like admit me into the hospital like that. And I'm like, and so we're like going back and forth. But anyway, so you're like wrestling through this. And I remember one day, you know, I, I had, I had put out like the, the prayer words. Like I was on Facebook and I don't do a ton of Facebook. I was sending Marco polls. Like I was sending out, like, I need prayer because if this hits, we're done here. We have right, to go home. Right. And I really feel like we need to be here. And, um, and so I was like giving people updates every day. And then, um, and then one night I was upstairs praying. Um, I was just in the bathroom and for some reason, Daniel three popped into my head. It's, it's a famous passage with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego where Nebuchadnezzar's like, Hey, you got to bow down on the statue or I'm killing you. And they're like, listen, our God's going to save us. He can't say our God, our God can save us. He's going to. And even if he doesn't, like, we're not bowing down to the stupid statue. And I remember sitting in my bathroom mirror and audibly voicing that out loud hmm. over and over. Like, God, I know this is just an elbow, but this is actually a really important thing right now. I need to be here. Like, I believe you can heal this. I, I believe you're going to. And even if you don't, I don't regret coming here. Like, if we have to go back, it, it wasn't a mistake. Like, this is where you wanted us to be. So just kind of praying Daniel 3 over and over again out loud. I never really, I never opened my Bible. I just knew that was Daniel 3. And I kid you not, the next day, I went in the morning to into my book bag to pull out my Bible to read, and it was like wrinkled. My Bible was wrinkled, the pages, and I was like, I'm kind of OCD. I was like, oh, no. So I whip out the Bible, trying to smooth it out, and I look, and on Daniel 3 in my Bible, it had folds on all four corners like a picture frame. And I just I looked at it, and... I looked and I saw it was Daniel 3 and I the first thing I looked at it just was Nebuchadnezzar saying there's like the son of man in the fire with him. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> like what do you what do you do with that? Like I just sat there <laughs> and I was just like okay <laughs> like yeah I'm good like I'm like I stopped sending out prayer requests I stopped even like sending out updates and I was just like oh we're good. Like it was so there's, it's like funny to think about, like, you're like, God, it's been kind of quiet over there. Like, he folded my Bible, right? <laughs> like, that's, like, that's insane, right? Yep. But I, I think in that to say, like, his faithfulness in that, to be like, this is hard. I'm here with you. And 
I think sometimes he, I needed that. Like I needed to see it, and he was mm-hmm. like, okay, here, let me just tee up your Bible passage so you can be sure, like I'm with you. And, it, and so it's, it's like when, when he does those things, when he gives you little pieces of his, of his intimacy, of his presence that carries you, you know, and I feel like he, he carried us yeah. and he's carried us differently and he's given us kind of what we need. But I think in that you look back at the end of the year, you say, thank you. It's amazing how God works through those moments, Ben. Like, I mean, like you said, to frame up the passage that he just imprinted on your heart the night before. And I remember catching up with you pretty shortly after that. Um, it might have even been like, hey, I haven't seen anything about your elbow lately. How's that going? Yeah. And uh, we were talking, and you shared that Daniel story with me. Now, this is a part of that story that I'm not sure you know, because it didn't matter at the t- time. I'm not even sure it matters fully now. But I had I was sharing that particular week at church, on, uh, preaching, and I had really been wrestling that week. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. Like, I, I knew based on the planned out notes, but I'm like, it just wasn't settling. And as you were sharing that Daniel 3 part with me, I just felt like the Lord was imprinting that hmm. onto me. Yeah. And the short version of this is, like, that very next weekend, like, we taught out of Daniel 3 here that's at Grace, crazy. like, yeah, right after cool. you talked, because I'm like, that's, uh, you know, you just see God come alive, and He's there with you yeah. in the fire, yeah. like the you fire. said, if it's going to consume us, it consumes us. But if it's not, it's because the Lord delivered me. And either way, he's right there with he's me. Right there. And uh, I, man, I absolutely love that. I yeah. love it. Um, now, there's um, some of the ways in which you and Tanya had expressed God's faithfulness was also around, like, normally on any day to day basis, you kind of have people you can kind of like call on, like, mm-hmm. Um, hey, my, my daughter just asked me this question. I have no idea how to handle this. You've been there before. What, what would you do? What did you do? Yeah. What would you not say that you said? Um, that kind of stuff. And obviously, you know, being away, and even with the people that did speak English, you don't know them super, super well yet, you, you and Tanya learned like a different version of dependency on God. Yeah. Like how did that kind of stuff show up for you two? Yeah, I think um, Tanya said that Tanya took shade to the dentist, so she's not here right now. Um, I always love to have her here too because she does such a better job. Yeah, your guys' schedule. Stuff. I mean, uh, uh, it's been totally un- understandable. But yeah, yeah your guys' schedule yeah. while you're home is nuts. So, so it's just me. Um, so I, I'll, I'll try to answer for her and for me. For her, I think her biggest um, her biggest dependency. I think she would be grateful for as like the hat that most moms wear is looking at like her role as a mother, and she's she's talked with me about like. It's been weird being back here because, like, even when we're with our best friends and they're like describing their day to day or their struggles, it's like different, like than what we've, what we're currently going through or what we've been through. And so it feels a little weird to like, to like plug back in. You're like, I, I just, I, I don't really have anything to add to this conversation or anything right. like that. And because I think some of that was like over there, her group, like I call them the mom squad. The mom squad wasn't there, right? They were still here, and so. I mean, she could text and all that, but it's just different. And so I think for for her, one of the hats, I mean, obviously as a mother, she she wore and she always wear, always wears, but um, helping our kids, especially our, we have three daughters. So right. there's ways that fathers and daughters connect. There's ways that mothers and daughters connect just differently, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like Tanya has a different relational and conversational capacity than I do. Um, and so she's able to, I think, I think she's able to help lead the girls through some things that like I'm just not capable of nor understand. Um, and so she would say like she felt a lot of the time when the girls were especially really struggling or when things are new and they're rising and they're asking her things at bedtime or you know they're struggling, they're crying or they don't understand, they're confused. Like how do you how do you walk how do you walk a kid through that? She doesn't have any friends who had been through this. Like, there's no advice coming of like, hey, I had done this and this worked. And so I think in that, she would say she felt very dependent on the Lord moment to moment to help her navigate conversations with our daughter, with our daughters, excuse me. Um, and she would say, like, I felt like the Lord showed up for me at bedtimes a lot when, like, we would rotate. I, she would do the two older kids, I would do Shay, and then next night we'd switch. Um, and so she was like, you know, sometimes she'd be down there for like 45 minutes talking to Nola because Nola's super intellectual and she had these questions and she was just like, I didn't have anybody like bounce stuff off. I felt kind of alone in that and I would just sit there and listen to Nola and pray. And she's just like, I felt like the Lord helped me navigate 
the, those conversations. Like he was faithful to me as a mom yeah. in the moment to be like, I'm going to help you walk through this. Yep. Um, and so I think for her, she's just like, that's hard to put a price on, like, you know, to express your gratitude for the Lord's, uh, the, the Lord meeting her in that when she felt like super dependent and kind of super alone trying to navigate uh, motherhood with our daughters. Um, and so I think that's one way for sure. Um, we talk about like dependency on the Lord. I think for me, I probably carry um, maybe like a little bit different hat in, in the way I would think of dependency because I would think about like provision, like carrying the finances, like that was my role here. Sure. Like as I worked. And so walking out and saying like, I'm not going to have a job anymore. We're going to lie on fundraising and support like the Lord provided. He provided the church. He provided our brothers and sisters all around us to be like, we're going to, we're going to, to take care of you. But in that, to be able to be like, I, I'm, we're very dependent on you here, Lord. Yeah. Like, like we, we need you to like stir hearts. And I know people who physically support us that I never even met with that, that they would say like, the Lord was just like, you have to support them. Wow. Like, like, like there was no meeting. Mm. It was just like, this has to happen. And they would tell me these things just like, that's incredible. And so I think like dependency there, I think dependency differently. Like, listen, I, I did anesthesia. My best friends were physicians. I had physicians on my cell phone. Like, we live 30 minutes from the Cleveland Clinic. So there was that aspect. That was hard for me. That was a real thing for me to walk away from that medical access. Um, like, I could text a vascular surgeon and have an answer. You know what right, I mean? Right. I could drive to an orthopedic surgeon's house. And so to not be in that space anymore, like, you, you're like, I'm dependent on the physician differently than I was. Mm-hmm. Just just all these ways. But, I mean, I, I think, too, as, as we transition to, to Mexico, and I'm like, okay, what— what would I want for our life there? Well, first of all, like looking at the people of Mexico, that the spiritual climate would change, that that a, a country that's 90-some percent Catholic, um, that the Lord would send his His spirit in a different way than he has, that's entirely de- dependent on him. Like we could, and we can program, we can do anything we want, but ultimately if he doesn't move, like we're we're just— we're not going to be successful. Nothing's going to happen. 100%. And so we're dependent on him there. I think as we grow as a ministry at shoulder to shoulder and, and we try to figure out like what path does the Lord have for us, we're very dependent on him to give us the right, the right path. Like if it's a huge path and he has huge plans for us, like I want to walk in the fullness of that and not in fear or like um, be afraid to just be like, no, you have Ephesians 3 plans, like anything more you could Think or imagine in us and through us, like we want to walk in that. Yep. Or if it's a small path, like no, I have this little this sliver here for you. Like I want to be faithful in that. So I think we're dependent on him to to define that. Yep. I think we're super dependent on him for. I mean, so I'm sitting here. We leave, I leave in ten or eleven days. We have plans. Like I think we have a house. We think we know where the kids are going to school. I've never worked for shoulder to shoulder. We've never lived in that city. So people are like, what is your day to day going to look like? What's your life going to look like? Where are your kids going to go to school? What? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Lord, we are very dependent on you here. Yep. We're dependent on you for wisdom. Like, where's the balance between where we want to live? Like, access, safety, price. Like, I'm dependent on you to help me have the have you for you to give me your wisdom to know that. Yep. What does safety for my wife and children look like? Their kids, their school. We're dependent on you. In a way that we weren't, we just sent them to Wadsworth, Wadsworth schools because that's a great school, and we lived in Wadsworth. We had to figure these things out differently than than we would have here. Um, what does my day to day look like? I don't know. We're kind of dependent on the Lord to help us set up healthy rhythms and healthy, a healthy job, like like a healthy role for us. And so I think in all of that, I just I have to kind of sit at a different place than I had previously to just be like, I'm pretty much absolutely dependent on you. And I know all of us are. Like, I know he's sovereign over my breath that I take. Like, everything filters through his hands in some capacity. But it does feel different. Like, there's a... Knowing that is a game changer. Yeah. There's a different level of dependency here. And so I think in that, for me, a couple things of one, having to say that. Like, yo dependo de ti is something I say all the time. I depend on... I'm, like, completely dependent on you. Mm Mm-hmm. Like for everything. Like if you don't show up, we're not gonna make it here. Right. It's gonna be a disaster if you don't show up. So there's that aspect. 
And then there's the aspect of like, well, just look in the mirror. Just look in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. Like, look at his faithfulness. Like, he has been so faithful. He is faithful. It's it's not hard for me to believe he's going to be faithful. Like I always say, it's not a blind faith. I can't physically see him, but it's not blind. Like I see what he's done. I mean, that, that's the Bible, right? That's Israel's relationship. What is it built on? It's like, look what he did for us. You can trust him. And it's like the prophets and, the, and Jesus tr- imploring the disciples, like trust him. Like mm-hmm. look how good he's been to us. And you get clouded by the desert, right? You get you get clouded by the difficulties. You were like, I don't think he's been that good. You know, but you're able to get clarity in space and look and be like, dude, he has been so faithful to mm. us. It's not hard to trust him. And I remember I got to speak at graduation and I was like, this isn't an easy call. This isn't an easy life. It's honestly easy to trust him. Mm-hmm. And that I think is who he is. And I don't know. I mean, there might be people that have been through really difficult things that would say, I would push back on that all day. I think it's actually been really hard to trust him. I would say, okay, that's, I, I, I get that. I think there are seasons that really challenge us even more than some of some of this. But at the end of the day, like, he, he is who he is, and he's going to be who he is. Like, and for me, I've had to just kind of hold on to that and truly believe it, like, believe that in, in our bones that, like, eh, he's faithful. I'm not afraid. Yep. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's so good. Uh, there's a theme that you've been expressing in this entire conversation that, like, the willingness to acknowledge our insufficiencies, trusting that in our weakness, He is made strong. You've lived that out in such a powerful way over this last year, really over the past few years, just in different ways, yeah. where, like, every time you realize, man, I fall short in this area. Man, I'm more angry than I thought I would be in this scenario. Uh, man, my patience. Man, our relationships. And the more that you're going to say, you know what, Lord, I just got to give this right back to you, the more that you continue to see Him infuse you and your family with Him and His life. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's that's like God's promise. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not, I'm not pointing my finger at your inadequacy so that I can say told you. Yeah. He's like, I'm pointing those out so that I can make you whole, so I can fill in those gaps, so that I can bring you uh, life and life abundant out of yeah. that, where if the seed dies, watch me multiply that, you yeah. know? And and so it's just incredible to see um, not only the tangible wins of this last year, three years, um, but also like those internal, unexpected, never saw that coming wins as well, where like God is like, I am forging you guys in the fire. I am making you more and more into the image and the likeness of my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. And uh, ahora, hablas uh, español. You know, like, and so, like, it's just incredible. Like, in some ways, learning Spanish was like um, both the, the reason you went and just the simple byproduct yeah. of like, I just gave our, we just gave ourselves to the Lord. Yeah. It's so, so awesome. Yeah. I think like, I'll add to that, too, like, so we're three years into this journey. We're one year into actually having left, and we're just here for a short time. So, like, I know in two weeks when we get there, like, I'm expecting it to be really hard. Yeah. And I'm expecting it to be difficult for, like, things to happen, to be difficult. Like, that's probably most of our lives we're going to have these difficulties. And and so I think I think for me just knowing that okay those are definitely coming but that doesn't that doesn't eradicate what he's done or or that doesn't eradicate the fact that like it's all of this is basically at a baseline level is regardless what happens will will you trust me that's the question like can can you trust me and i think that's our journey as christians is to just be like whatever is coming and i and it and this season might be really clean for you and you just might be like this is great like, this is easy to yeah. trust. Or you, like, you might not, like, there's people listening, you're never going to Mexico. That's fine. You'll be walking stuff with your family. You're, you lost a, a spouse. You, you lost a, 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 a father. I mean, you name it, right? Yeah. I think the invitation is, like, no matter what really difficult looks for us right now, the question is, like, can you trust him? And I think that's all the Lord is really asking from us is to be like, can you trust me? And so I think for me, it has taken some of this to be able to get me to the fact of being able to be like, okay, I don't really have much to offer here. Like I, I, I know the language some, but like, it's not like I can go like lead a church. Like I, I'm pretty dependent on you here because I can't do this yet. As we join the staff, like we're the lowest of the totem pole. Like we don't have a ton to offer except we're here. I, like it's just a different place, but you're like, all right, 
I like honestly, like I would sit in the room a lot in Costa Rica and be like, I'm not entirely sure why you called us to do this. I don't really, I'm not seeing it some. Like you're seeing yourself in the way you're handling some of this change. You're like, I'm pretty unimpressed here. Like I, I don't have a lot we're bringing to the table, but I always would just come back to, I think I trust you. Help me trust you. And I at least, I, I think my hands are kind of open. Help them be open. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the response that all he asks is like, can you trust me? Can you have open hands? And I think that that's the invitation even for us as we walk through another transition that's coming. And then just the frustrations culturally, the we're not immune to hardship. We're not immune to real hardship. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I don't think that to say I'm, I'm a missionary, I'm a Christ follower, makes us immune. I, in many ways, you look at the Bible, that that brings a lot of difficulty. And so like those aren't things you just throw around, but mm-hmm. I think it's, you have to, you have to weed through some of this stuff in the decent times so that when the tough, the really tough times come, you, you know where you stand, right? When the right. huge wave comes, you're going to get crushed if you've never been able to wrestle out. Like, do I actually trust him? Do I really have open hands? And I think it's just, our life is a growing progression where he calls you maybe like the, the cheesy song, not cheesy, but like, as you go deeper into that water, can you continue to trust and can you continue to keep your hands open? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the invitation. I think we got to take a really big step this year to come out of it and say, I still trust you. I think I trust you more actually mm-hmm. because of who you've been and my hands are still open. And so now we get the next step and the next step's a transition to Mexico. And I think we're going to get crushed, hit in the face again and work through that. And we're going to have a season there and we're going to have to look in the mirror and say, wow, we still trust, you know, we're here. We got our open hands. And then just, I think as ministry comes as missionaries, as we're trying to lead down there, like as those difficulties come and you pass through them and, and, you know, I, obviously I pray every day over my family, like their protection, my wife, my children, um, that he would protect us, that, that he would use us as a family, that he would bless us with 30 years, you know, as a family there, that, regardless of what comes to our family, regardless of comes from shoulder to shoulder and the the difficulties that will certainly come, that we can continue to get through them and say, all right, let's check in. Do I trust you? Yes. Do I, do I have open hands? Yes. And just keep going. Yep. I think that's the, I think that's the faith. It just never gets, I don't think it ever gets easier. No. I think it just, in some ways, it, the water gets a little deeper maybe. Yep, we're not looking for the end of the road. We're looking to continually journey on it with him. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it doesn't necessarily get easier. It's just you get to keep walking. Kind of like you and Shay holding hands, you just get to keep holding yeah, his hand. Yeah, not much, not much else to do. Yeah, yeah, it's so, so good. Well, one of the things that I want to encourage our listeners to do is uh, to pick up one of the Falkenberg's uh, prayer cards. And so uh, we'll have those at both of our Bath Campus locations. Um, and if you can't find them or maybe you're out of uh, local earshot of this and you'd like one, uh, you can always get a hold of Ben and Tanya if you know how to do so. You can also email uh, us at the church. Email Bath, give it away, Bath, give it away at graceohio.org, and our team will get you one of their prayer cards as well. We'd love to have you doing that. And um, I hope that you're inspired and encouraged by some of the ways that Ben's been talking about prayer. Um, you know, if all you can muster is, God, please help the Falkenbergs, <laughs> they'll take, take it. it. <laughs> uh, but like, as you've heard him pour out his heart and what their family is engaging and involving themselves into as they explore this first year in Mexico, you know, really think and pray through what would those emotions be, what's going on, uh, follow their story online, uh, check their stuff out, and, and really be lifting them up in prayer, because in some of those moments, all they have is to depend on and lean on the Lord, and so uh, going to Him on their behalf is a big, big deal. And I also want to pray that maybe you saw even a portion of your story uh, line up with the Falkenbergs, and there's something that you need to release and let God have, or uh, to, you realize that you haven't been depending upon the Lord in a certain area of your life, and He's been calling, He's been inviting, and maybe this is one of the things that can help kind of push you over that edge a little bit. And I just want to encourage you to take that step, whether it's as simple as uh, something in your own household, or maybe it's something as what seems as big as moving to a different country for His sake. Um, let's follow those nudges, let's follow the Lord's leading in that, and really seek Him all the way through. Um, ben, thanks, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate you carving this time thanks out. Time. It has been fun. 
Um, I, I know you've been an encouragement to me, so worst case scenario, thanks, brother. Yeah, I thanks. really do appreciate it. <laughs> and, uh, and best case, I, I, I know that your work will continue to multiply throughout Mexico as you, you won't even know how. Yeah. Uh, you know, one day in heaven, you'll look back and go, oh, that's what you were doing. And I just can't wait to see how all that unfolds. Thanks. So we'll be praying for you. Uh, you, Tanya, the girls, it's going to be, uh, I'm sure, another hard but incredible uh, season moving forward. So thanks. Appreciate very, it. Very cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, let's keep in touch. Let's keep praying for one another. And let's keep seeing how God's going to work through each and every one of our lives. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.